Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to our Facebook Live feed. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church, and I'm coming to you from my home again tonight in Taylorsville, Kentucky. It's good to have you guys with us tonight. If you uh, would, I'd like for you to hit that share button, send up a couple hearts to let me know that I'm getting through to you. I have a word tonight that I believe will be encouraging for you. It actually encouraged me today as I was putting it together. I know for a fact that there's a lot of people going through some really difficult times right now. I know people personally that have been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Some directly, some indirectly, but either way, I know one thing for sure, it's affected everyone in one way or another, and it has been discouraging to a lot of people. On top of that, we have the civil unrest all across our great nation tonight, and It's easy to see how people can be discouraged and sometimes even depressed over all the things that's going on, especially when it hits close to home. I know in Louisville, Kentucky here, uh, we've been having quite a few protests and uh, uh, a few riots and things like that, a lot of civil unrest over some of the things that happened here in recent months. And I know Portland and Denver and now Kenosha, Wisconsin and other places are getting hit pretty hard. So... It's easy to see how people can be discouraged at what's going on around the country right now. And uh, people have been hit physically with the virus itself. I know people that have actually had the virus. Uh, I don't know anybody personally that's died from it, but I'll tell you one thing, it's a rough disease. It's, It's a rough sickness, and I wouldn't want anybody to get that disease. Uh, you know, the recovery rate is great, but it's still a pain to go through. And then uh, we have people that are struggling from the results of the COVID-19, financially perhaps or some other kind of way, but everybody's being affected in one way or another. And I know some of you listening to me tonight have been uh, going through it and some had the pudding knocked out of you and you're still trying to recover from the blow that you received uh, from uh, the results of this disease and everything that's going on. And We also know how hard it is to feel joy and have a cheerful disposition at a time like this, Uh, especially when you're one of the ones who have been hit so hard and it's really hard to smile and act like it's uh, everything's all right and it's all fine and everything. And uh, we understand that. And, uh, you know, we have members in our church that come in on Sunday, uh, every Sunday morning with a big smile and a praise the Lord disposition and, uh, uh, an attitude of praise and everything, but we know they've really been going through it and they're uh, just trying not to show it. And we know it's not easy and, and what they've been going through is not easy and our hearts go out to them. But we also know that it's like that for a lot of people in this storm and that uh, are really hurting physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Their families are hurting. And uh, I know people personally that have been out of work since the start of this thing and uh, they're putting in resumes and they really want to get back to work and it's hard to just not be able to work or have a job and but that's why i want to encourage you tonight and uh let you know that whatever you're going through you're going to make it because you're not going through it alone 
Uh, you have our prayers. You have the prayers of, of others and the prayers of this nation. And uh, you have people that God will send your way to encourage you and lift you up and help you through it. And, of course, we got the Lord himself is going to see us through. And uh, our lesson starts tonight in the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there. It starts with Jesus just having fed the uh, multitude uh, with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And I call it a multitude because the Bible said it was about 5,000 men. And uh, we also know there were men, uh, women and children there as well. I'm sure a lot of those men had their families with them. So I call it a multitude because I don't really know how many it was. I know it was a lot more than 5,000. I mean, that was a great miracle in itself. But let's pick it up here right after he fed the 5,000 plus. In Mark 6.45, it says, And straightway he, Jesus, constrained or insisted that his disciples get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away, the multitudes that he just fed. Uh, probably did an uh, uh, ecumenical blessing on them or something and send them home, but they went home with full bellies, praise the Lord. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling. I like what the Amplified says. It says, straining and working hard in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. In other words, the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, at somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., he, Jesus, cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, I've always wondered why he would have passed them by. I don't really think Jesus was actually going to pass them. I think the Bible has given us an indication of how fast he was walking, apparently fast enough to pass the ship if he wanted to. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed he had been a spirit or a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Boy, that's some encouraging words right there. Be of good cheer, cheer up, it's me, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. How I many knows God will do some amazing things that will cause you to wonder sometimes? For they consider not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now, I don't think they had a hard heart like they were cold or indifferent or something like that. I think that uh, sometimes when miraculous things happen for us, it doesn't take us very long to forget them. Uh, as a matter of fact, we forget them as soon as we get into our next storm a lot of times. But I want to insert something right here. Uh, this is where Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. But for some reason, Mark omitted that part of the story. Uh, it obviously, it wasn't that important to him. But Matthew included it in his gospel. So I went over to Matthew and picked it up and brought it over here. And in Matthew chapter 14, in verse 28 through 33, it says, When Jesus said, Be of good cheer, that's where we're going to pick up at, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. 
And you know, sometimes we just don't listen to the word very well. And, and sometimes even when we listen to it, we doubt what we hear. Jesus, the word, just, just told him, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And the first thing that Peter says to him, Lord, if it be thou, if it's really you, Lord. And he's like, Peter, I just told you it was me. And that's why we need to listen to the word carefully, and then we can't doubt what it says. He says, uh, I mean, why do I call Jesus the word? Because he's the word made flesh. And the word and Jesus are synonymous terms. They can use, be used interchangeably in the New Testament. Uh, John said in his gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 14, he said, and the word was, um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was... God in the, in, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a mouthful. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then if you skip down to verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's no doubt about who the Word is. Jesus is the living Word. Your Bible is the written Word, but Jesus is the actual living Word who came down from heaven and took on the, the form of a man and walked among us. And in verse 29, it says, And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. I wish we could end the story right there and give old Peter a home run here. <laughs> give him one for the team, but we can't. We got to keep reading. And verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. What was one of the things Jesus says? Be not afraid. And beginning to sink, he cries saying, Lord, save me. So, what? I mean, Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And within minutes, Peter violated all three of the things that the Word told him to do. But, you know, what happens when we get into fear and don't do what the Word tells us to do? We begin to sink. And if we don't cry out for the Lord, we will sink. But what happens when we cry out? The next verse, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they, the Lord and Peter, were come into the ship, the wind ceased. I know Peter was all wet. I'm not sure about the Lord. I don't think he was wet. Maybe just the bottom of his shoes. But I know Peter was wrung out. And then in verse 33, it says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And, you know, we believe Jesus is the Son of God without seeing a miracle. These old boys seen miracles, and the miracles cause them to believe. But I'm telling you, uh, you know, Jesus is performing miracles in our lives every day. We just don't realize it, or we just don't understand when he's performing them. I know there's things that uh, I've avoided in my life that I don't even know about. I probably won't find out until I get to heaven. But I know Jesus works miracles in our lives every day. And, uh, you know, this walking on the water thing with Peter especially, 
I mean, Jesus walking on the water was a miracle, but Peter walking on the water, that was even more of a miracle, at least it was to me. And, and I mean, why was that so amazing? Because people don't give it a second thought with Jesus performing miracles and walking on the water because he's the son of God. And, and Jesus proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that he has supernatural ability over uh, natural law. Uh, he proved uh, time and time again that natural law had no effect on him. He would always supersede the natural law, and, and that's what causes miracles to happen. But he never did any of that as the Son of God. Uh, and the reason I know this is because if he performed miracles as the Son of God, if he walked on the water as the Son of God, then Peter would have never walked on the water, not even for the little time that he did because there's no way that he can compete with the Son of God. But Jesus didn't do these things as the Son of God. According to Acts 10.38, he did it as a man that was anointed, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power, great power, the Bible says. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And that's how he did all of his miracles. That's how he performed raising the dead and turning water into wine and walking on water and setting the captives free and uh, giving sight to the blind and, and uh, legs to the cripple, all by the power of the Holy Spirit that was operating in his life. He was anointed of God to do those things. And uh, he never claimed power of himself. He always attributed what he did to the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And if he did it in, as the Son of God, then there's no way Peter could have walked on the water. And the reason this is so important is because if we can see that it was through Jesus' uh, Jesus' obedience and the anointing that was operating in his life, and that Jesus did everything by the power of the Spirit because God was with him, then we can see and believe that as believers, we can do the works of Christ and even greater works than him because we do it in numbers. In John, in Jesus, uh, Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So uh, as believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, empowered by God, anointed by God, God is with us, then we should be able to perform the miracles that Jesus did and even greater works than he did because, like I said, we go out in numbers. Jesus was one man when he walked this earth. But if we attributed everything that Jesus did to his being the Son of God, then we would never be, be able to believe that we could do anything that he did. And he wants us to understand that he did everything as a man anointed of God, uh, anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit, and only because God was with him. That's how Jesus performed everything that he did. And, and that's how, exactly how Peter was able to step out of the boat and walk on the water, even just for the short time that he did. And he had faith in the word when the word told him to come. He stepped out of that boat. So it was faith that... Uh, faith in the word that got him out of the boat, but it was the anointing that kept him afloat. And, uh, you know, some people would say, well, if we can do everything Jesus did, then why can't I, with the same anointing, the same power, the same Holy Spirit, the same God be with me, why can't I walk on water like Peter did? Well, because there's really no reason for you to walk on water. 
I mean, plus, even though Peter was afraid and doubted and Jesus told him he had a little faith, I still believe Peter probably had a lot more faith than we did when he stepped out of that boat. And, and Paul told us in Romans 12, 3, he said, Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So our anointing is based on our faith. Everything we do in the kingdom of God is based on our faith. And everything that we do will be in proportion to our faith. Great faith, great works. Great faith, great miracles. And, and the Bible says Jesus was anointed without measure. We're anointed with measure, by measure. We have a measure, but Jesus was anointed without measure. And, and in John 3.34 in the Amplified, it says, For he whom God has sent, which is Jesus, speaks the words of God, proclaiming the Father's own message, for God gives the gift of the Spirit without measure, generously and boundlessly. So Jesus was anointed without measure. And besides, let's say you did muster up enough faith to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Would you be thinking soberly after that, or would you be thinking more highly than you are? And there's a reason we probably won't be walking on water anytime soon. Peter walked on the water because he had the courage, the faith, and the anointing to do it, at least for a short time. But then he took his eyes off of Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, and he began to sink. He calls out for Jesus, save me, and Jesus saves him. And sometimes that's all it takes. That's a, that's a wonderful prayer. Save me, Lord, and he'll reach down and save you. And, you know, that's what he did with Peter. He pulled him up. But God never does anything or allows us to do things that he's behind or he's anointing us to do that doesn't have a purpose or a reason. He doesn't, he doesn't just let us do things that aren't going to benefit somebody or, or the church or something like that. And, and there was a purpose and a good reason for Peter to walk on the water. Jesus used him as an example to show the disciples and to show us what a little courage, faith, and the anointing could do. And that we can do the things Jesus did as a man, anointed of God with the Holy Spirit and with great power, because God is with us. And you may not be able to walk on water, but you can preach or witness with the anointing. You can lay hands on the sick with the anointing. You can set people free with the anointing. You can solve problems with the anointing, slay giants with the anointing, Walk in victory every day with the anointing, and you can heal your marriage with the anointing. You can even defeat this COVID-19 that we're going through right now with the anointing. You can do things with the anointing of God, with the power of God, uh, because God is with you, and you can do things that you can't normally do otherwise without the anointing. And even if you could do them, you'll do them better with the anointing. And so there's a lot of things that we can glean from this passage of Scripture. But one of the things that really stands out is they were rowing, and they were rowing hard. They were toiling. They were straining, and they were working hard rowing. And they may have been in a storm, but they never gave up. They kept rowing. And it's important in a storm. I mean, these men were fishermen. They knew about the sea. They've been in storms before. They knew how to handle a ship. And, of course, they didn't have motorized ships back then. So it's important in a storm to keep the ship 
heading into the storm. And the way you do that is, like I said, with power or by rowing. That was the only power they had. So if you let that ship turn sideways and let that storm have its way, it will capsize that ship. Uh, and, and so you have to keep that ship headed into the storm. Plus, if you got it heading into the storm, you'll get through the storm a lot sooner because the storm is coming at you and through you. And if you let that ship turn and you're riding with the storm, it will carry you off until it hits the shore or the rock. So you got to keep that thing into the wind. You got to keep it into the storm. And it takes rowing power, in this case, arm power to do that. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were toiling. They were straining. They were working hard at them oars. Hallelujah. And that tells me when you're in a storm, you should never stop rowing. And you should never let that storm have its way. And not without a fight. You just keep rowing. And I know it's not easy. The Bible tells us uh, they were toiling, straining, working hard. And the storm was contrary to them. In other words, it was working against them. But hey, here's a revelation for you. That's what storms generally do. And, and people have a tendency nowadays to just give up too easy. And we want to do like the old kindergarten song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Uh, pardon my singing, but I had to get that point across. It might be a dream until reality slaps you right in the face and wakes you up. And I don't know where you've been or what you've been doing, uh, but I haven't rowed downstream in years. And sooner or later, you'll realize if you want anything good out of life, uh, you're going to have to turn that boat around and you're going to have to start rowing upstream into the storm. And rowing up the stream of life isn't so merrily, 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 merrily. But if you want good things out of life, that's exactly what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do some toiling. You're going to have to do some straining. And you're going to have to do some hard work. Uh, you're going to have to go through some storms, some opposition. But if you keep rowing, no matter what. But uh, besides, if you get tired of rowing, you can always get out and walk. Amen. But let me tell you something. Jesus saw them struggling. That's one of the first things our story told us is that Jesus saw their struggling. He saw their toil. He saw their pain. And when he did, he went to them walking on the water. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus will do whatever it takes to join you in your struggles. He'll walk on water for you if he has to. He never wants you to be alone. He came to their rescue and he'll come to your rescue too. Just keep rowing till he gets there. Don't let that ship turn. And when he reached them, the first thing he said was, be of good cheer. In other words, cheer up. It is I. And uh, don't be afraid. See, God loves us so much that he'll do whatever it takes just to be close to us. And you might be in a storm right now and you're rowing with all you have. But I'm here to tell you tonight, don't stop rowing. Just keep rowing. I know you're tired. I know you might be even in fear a little bit. Uh, you might be sick. You might be going through something, but keep rowing. Keep that ship headed into the storm. Jesus is on his way. Hallelujah. And you might even be alone, but it won't be for long. Trust him to come to your rescue just like he did the disciples and keep rowing till he gets there. No matter what, keep rowing till he gets there. He will sustain you. When you think you can't row another stroke, 
God will give you the strength to get another stroke out. He will sustain you till he gets there. Hallelujah. And I know someone's in a storm right now and you're thinking about throwing in a towel because you've been toiling and straining and working hard and it doesn't seem like you're making any headway in your storm. But I just want to encourage you tonight. God sees your struggle. God sees your pain. He's on his way to rescue you. Hold on a little longer. Just keep rowing. Keep that ship headed up stream and into the storm. And cheer up. Don't be afraid. See, you might be rowing through a failing relationship. That ain't easy. You might be rowing through a financial situation. That ain't easy. A sickness or disease may be rowing even through this COVID-19. And you might be rowing through an unemployment problem or, or a problem where you feel like you've lost your self-worth as a man. Nobody wants you. You can't work anymore. But let me tell you something. I know you're tired, but keep rowing and don't give up. Keep on rowing because he's on the way. And you might ask, what's taking him so long? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, one of the reasons is because the thing you've been wanting to give up on is worth the struggle that you're going through. And, it's, and when you come out on the other end, that thing is going to be far more valuable than it ever was. If you struggle through this marital problem, this financial problem, whatever it is, you strain, you toil, you work hard at it, you keep on rowing and fighting for it. When you come out of the other side, that's going to be much more valuable to you than it's ever been. That's one reason why sometimes he tarries. That's one reason why sometimes you're alone longer than you want to be. But going through a storm is a process that, according to the Apostle Paul, produces perseverance, character, and hope. And if you keep rowing, you'll find out it will be worth it in the end because the result is going to be glorious. Hallelujah. James tells us, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations or trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then he says, but let patience have its perfect work. In other words, let patience work that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. There's provision when you come out of your storm. There's provision when you come out of your trial. And James didn't say if trials come. He said when the trials come, when the storms come. They shouldn't catch us by surprise. Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery uh, trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Peter's saying it's not a strange thing to go through a trial. It's not a strange thing to go through a storm. It's not unusual for us to find ourselves going through something. The struggles in life are necessary because they develop our character. And they push out things like anger and pride and disobedience and, and other things that are not pleasing to God. And these are the things that we normally justify and hide. And, and they only come out under pressure. So, you know, it's no wonder that God allows us to go through a storm every now and then. It's no wonder that he allows us to spend some time into that storm before he comes and rescues us. But I promise you this, my brothers and sisters. You will never sink in that storm. Hallelujah. He'll keep you afloat till he gets there, till you learn what you need to learn, till you begin to value the thing that you need to be valuing. He will keep you afloat until he gets there. Now, not, not many people 
especially nowadays, are willing to toil or strain or work. But if we'll keep working, if we'll keep rowing, if we'll be courageous, obey the word, stay out of fear like he said to, he will get in the boat with us. He'll calm our storm and finish the journey with us. He'll get right in the boat with us. Hallelujah. Job said, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Hallelujah. How I many know when gold is tried in the fire, it comes out even more pure than when it went in? Sometimes we've got to spend some time in a fiery trial, trial to get the, draw, the dross burned off, the dross, the, the impurities that's in us to get them burned off. So, yeah, maybe you'll spend a little time toiling and rowing in, in that storm. And you'll be looking for the Lord, but he won't be there. But I'm telling you, he's got his eye on you. When you were in the middle of the storm, he was watching you. He sees your struggles. He sees your pain. He sees you toiling and working. And it doesn't go unnoticed by the Lord. I mean, if he's got his eye on the sparrow, as the song says, he certainly has his eye on you. Praise the Lord. Now, I know it's hard to keep rowing through the storm, but right on the other side of that storm is your blessing. Right on the other side of that storm is your victory. The S-O-N is shining in the storm, and when you get on the other side, the S-U-N will be shining on a brand new day for you. Hallelujah. So no matter how bad things look or how you feel, keep rowing. You're going to make it. God's going to sustain you. Just keep rowing. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I lift up our Facebook audience, our church before you tonight, God. And Lord, I ask you to strengthen them, encourage them. Father, give them the solutions and the answers that they're looking for. Give them peace of mind, Lord. Give them comfort in their spirits. Bring them together in, in, in one accord in unity. God, heal their bodies. Heal their physical bodies, Lord. God, we know that you are a God of restoration, and we ask you to heal their relationships, Lord. If somebody is in a failing relationship, Lord, we know that you will restore it in Jesus' name. God, heal marriages right now. Heal relationships between siblings, Lord. Heal every relationship that's being strained as a result of some of the storms they're going through. Perhaps there was a a problem in the family, even a death in the family, Lord, that strained the relationships, has siblings up against each other, and uh, people that used to be close are now distant, God. I ask you to restore, solve the problems in that relationship, solve the problems in that family, bring them back together once again in unity and one accord. And Lord, we pray for this uh, everybody that has been affected by this COVID-19, especially for those that are affected physically, that actually have the disease and are fighting the disease, Lord. We pray that you would lift, lift them up and heal them right now in the name of Jesus. Let the anointing, the same anointing Jesus was talking about, the same anointing that got Peter out of the boat and walked on the water, that same anointing come into them right now and drive that stinking disease right out of them. In Jesus' name, raise them up and heal them in the name of the Lord. And Lord, we thank you that the antidote is on the way. It is even at the door. Uh, the antidote or the vaccine, whatever they want to talk, call it. But I declare and decree right now that it is going to come from a reliable source, a source that can be trusted. 
I pray, God, that even it would come from your chosen people, Israel. I know Israel has done amazing things in the past. They have more Nobel Prize winning people than anybody else in the world, Lord. And I know that they have your favor. And I know if they come up with the vaccine or the antidote, it's going to be the right vaccine, the right antidote. It's going to work and it's going to sweep this world, this nation, this world, and it's going to bring healing and a cure to everyone that has ever been affected by this disease. And it will never, ever be a problem for us again or a challenge again. So we thank you for each and every one that's listening tonight, Lord. We ask that you touch them in a special way. Be with them, Lord, especially in their storms. And God, encourage them. Let them know. Give them a sign that you are on your way to rescue them, that they won't be toiling for nothing. You see everything that they're going through. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your protection, your provision. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you give us and what you do for us, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm sad to say that my good friends in uh, Wisconsin, uh, Pastor Flint and Brenda Council with True Vine Worship Center won't be on the air tonight. Uh, hopefully they'll be on this Sunday, but yeah. Keep an eye out for them. I know I'm going to miss them tonight, and I know that if you've been following along, you'll be missing them too. But we love you, Pastor Flint and Brenda. Hang in there, and God bless you. Be safe. We'll talk to you later. God bless you all. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.